Hello, and welcome to The Kink Perspective. My name's Chris. I'm a psychotherapist and consultant. On this episode, today we're going to talk about something that hits home for a lot of people. Uh, A subject uh, a couple of days ago um, I wrote about on social media, and something that always comes up time and again, and was then making the rounds on social media about how do we handle it. What am I talking about today? I'm talking about consent violations and the wide gamut that encompasses a consent violation when we crosses over into an event of sexual assault. Um, How do we categorize this? What are some of the answers for the community? Um, So on and so forth. So when I started looking at consent violations, I, I really... It, there's no easy way to handle this. It, there's a fine line between dealing with um, allegations. There is a fine line when something has happened and how do we handle it, what the magnitude for a violation is. Does, does it cross the line into something criminal? Where we've actually scarred or potentially traumatized somebody, um, harmed them in some way. And so they're now they're feeling a little bit unsafe in the community. This topic's not an easy topic because it kind of skirts a little bit of these lines between um, our emotional responses, uh, our safety, um, how are we defining things, are we looking at um, whether or not you know, we're banning them for life for some sort of infraction. Do we, you know, is there some sort of, can they come, can the person who's made it or, or done a consent violation um, re-enter the community? Is there a forgiveness period kind of like going to prison? So what's a consent violation first? Well, a consent violation, while we thought this would be just a straightforward subject, truly is not. A consent violation can be anything. If I'm in just a monogamous dynamic and uh, we both have agreed upon um, to just be with each other, then one of the members or one of the two people in in the relationship goes off and has sex with somebody else and doesn't tell their partner. So not only are they putting them at physical health risk, they violated their consent. Or do we consider their consent violated if they're emotionally cheating on somebody what about if I'm standing in a room and I'm watching a demonstration across the hall um, at a dungeon let's say uh, which does happen dungeons are quite large or some of the you know private events where things are held are quite big what if I'm looking and I'm watching but then you know there's somebody kind of a little bit in the way and they think I'm staring at them and they feel uncomfortable and then they go and complain to who's ever in charge, the event coordinator, the dungeon master, or the dungeon mistress, and say, hey, you know, this person has violated my consent. They're staring at me, which I wrote a post about staring is going to be is a violation of consent at the nightclub in Sydney, Australia, which it's not a crime, and they were even threatening law enforcement. So how do we define what are we doing about consent violations and and how do we go about as a community 
feeling better, airing our, our grievances with somebody. Somebody broke my trust. They uh, told me that they would never push beyond my limits. They pushed beyond my limits. It violates our consent. And, uh, you know, now I'm deeming this person unsafe. Well, unsafe to one person is not unsafe to another. How do we deal with this as a community? And this isn't an easy subject to grapple. And it's probably not going to be something I could just talk about in this one episode here. So I, the first thing I really wanted to do was kind of get a look at community responses. So I put something out um, on social media. Uh, for those who don't know or have tried to find me in the past, I'm, I'm on FetLife, for example, under the same name of Enhanced-Mind. And I put this topic up a couple of days ago. And, and I also wanted to know what about consent violations between the sexes? You know, do we hold men to a different standard than we hold women? How do we deal with all of these things? And when we're looking at some of these things, um, first we have to, I have to agree with one comment where they were talking about, we have to put politics and stuff aside. We can't just say, Oh, well, hey, you know, that conservative over there was looking at me and I just feel unsafe. Well, that's it's an unfair assessment and we're judging people. Exactly the same thing that people accuse us. Is that a consent violation? Well, it goes back to this matter of like safe spaces they've created in universities. Well, there's, there is no safe space in the world. If you're going to feel uncomfortable because you're out in a crowd and somebody may look in your direction, it doesn't necessarily mean they're looking at you. But does that violate your consent? Well, then the bigger problem is you probably, and this is probably not going to sit well with a lot of people, but I'm going to say this anyways, you probably shouldn't go outside. If you're worried about people staring at you or people looking at you because you've drawn attention to yourself in some sort of fashion, and then you're going to complain that that's a violating your consent because they're looking at you, well, in public, the way the law is defined, not your personal feelings, the way the law is defined, staring in your general direction, looking in your general direction, even snapping a photo of you in public isn't against the law. Now, I'm also not talking about when they start doing sexualized things or predatory things such as, you know, taking an upskirt photo. So, you know, not that I really need to define that. I think we're all adults and we can kind of pick this out. But when we look at consent violations and we look at social media, the problem is with naming their people who we you know somebody and i'm not saying consent violations don't happen but lynch mobbing or the mob mentality or the cancel culture mentality instantly we hear something and it becomes blood in the water the piranha circle and they just want to devour until there's nothing left it doesn't even matter what the truth is so one thing we have to consider is hey this is the thing that happened to me. Uh, you can do with this information what you want. And uh, if you choose to interact with that person, you've had, you know, you've been at least had some valuable information put your way. One other comment that one I received on, on this kind of query I put out there was, how do we know the difference between false and, and real allegations? Well, do false allegations happen? Absolutely, but they're not of anywhere of the magnitude of the of the reality of things that happen. Now, what about vindictive people? I just want to get somebody in trouble with the community. Do those happen? Well, sure, there's bad people around all in the world. 
Um, what do we do if we've reported one of the posts that kind of stirred this mindset up for me was there was a post on uh, one of the social media websites actually it had made the rounds. It was a similar post that was on fetish.com. And then the, the another post was on FetLife. And the posts were talking about how the community and especially event organizers need to band together and um, they all need to talk and then ban these people outright. So basically we're just saying because something is alleged to happen and we have to, we do unfortunately have to say it that way. We, we just can't, uh, it's why we live in a society that's judged by rules and laws that no one is just guilty. Now, and I'm not saying if something didn't happen. Now, when you're an event advisor or a coordinator or you run a dungeon, you're, you're in business. Your business is putting people through the door. If your policy is, well, this didn't happen at my event, which was something that happened uh, to one person, and they kind of said, you know, this didn't happen at my event. Um, you know, we'll keep an eye on the person, but, you know, um, how do we trust your word? And that really is what it comes down to. We are in a, us, you know, it's us versus them type of mentality. And what we're talking about and we're, we're saying something happened. We're saying something happened to us that has hurt us in some way emotionally or has betrayed our trust. And we want to let others know. But then we have to, you know, are we talking about tribunals? There used to be a thing a long time ago when I kind of first got into the scene they don't really exist anymore. Um, I know in smaller private groups, you know, I would say 20 or less, I'm part of a collective <clears throat> of, of sadists. And, you know, we're all tight. We've known each other for, I think, no, the, the person we've known the least has been in our group for 10 years. It's a long time to establish a rapport with somebody. Um, we know when things are out of whack. So... As our group has grown, and as as and I'm going to use my group for example, if something was to happen, we would kind of vary the weight of it, and because quite a few of the people I know, they're very prominent in the community, so their word is kind of carried with a, a pretty good bond, and that's really what we're talking about within the BDSM community. We go by honor, we go by our integrity, we go by our our bounds of respect, and how we treat others like we'd want them to treat us, and. If something would had happened, um, you know, it's kind of almost like a an ad hoc kind of court system. We're we're passing judgment. But what does this weight really carry? All right. So, the person who brings the violation to us, we listen. We listen to the other side. What happens, and we pass judgment. Let's just say, okay, we've now heard everything. We agree with the person whose consent was violated. Um, Dom or sub is now extricated from our group um, and we spread the word. We're now, we've condemned that person, right? Whether we look at the mistake, and again, we all have to understand that everything is, is looked at in, in different magnitudes. Criminal charges carry different magnitudes. And, but this isn't criminal. This isn't a violation of the law. This is just a violation of our personal integrity, our respect, our trust bonds that we create with people. Now, I also want to comment, I haven't, I haven't touched base on sexual assaults yet. And 
that's a different story. And I do want to get to that, but I want to just stick with, you know, somebody pushed beyond my limits, somebody, uh, you know, they didn't hear my safe word on, on time. Um, and those things matter. They, th- those are the things that we've negotiated. Uh, you know, I said, I want the PlayStation to go only an hour and they pushed it to an hour and a half. All of those things are, we, they, it becomes a slippery, very, very slippery slope because consent for each per- person, consent for each party or group that's involved in it is subjective. And the problem with something being subjective, it's, there's no consistency. So how do we put together a unified front? There is no Dom council in the world that we can go to that's going to settle it, let alone who the hell would be on that type of thing. I really don't know. Private groups is a different story, which is why BDSM was held for such a long time underground because you got to know those people. You got to talk to somebody that if you were starting out submissive, and you were looking for training, you were looking to learn about the lifestyle, you go to these events or go to these parties and, you know, maybe they take you under their wing and they train you. And then you go, you know what, I'm ready. I've been learning how to be a good submissive. I've been learning about impact play and, and position training. I'd like to find a dominant. And so they're helping you vet people that they know are safe. And from there, if something happened, you know, the word spread rather quickly and it kind of got around. As the community has grown to this global magnitude that it is, you know, whatever, I'll be generous and say out of 8 billion people on the planet, there's probably 20, 20 million active players. I don't know how close I am to the mark on that, but it's it's a fairly good number. It's a very small percentage of the population if you look at by country and where people play. And I'm in the inside of that, I'm actually talking about real lifestylers, by the way. I'm not talking about people who are half-assing kink. And when I say that, that, I'm talking about people who really embrace what BDSM means. I'm not talking about the tender trash that comes in offline and, and they slap a moniker on themselves, whether it's submissive or it's dominant, and say, I'm, I've been in the, I'm lifestyle. Because it's not. Lifestyle is literally what it means. I'm digressing a little bit. We have to understand, we have to look at all of these things and we have to come together and start figuring out beyond the rules where do we draw the lines and then how do we handle it when something happens if I was to violate some sort of tournament to my slave and she went to our dungeon and you know because she needed someone to speak to then what's the recourse I mean what's going to happen so my worst case scenario is great Someone's going to spread my spread what I've done without hearing my side or without understanding because we're just going to, we're also caught up in a mentality where we have to just believe these things happened. And that's another slippery slope. I'm, I'm only talking about these things because they are important. We have to realize there is more than one version of the truth. When I work with my clients, on a therapeutic basis and it depends how many clients but we'll just say when i'm working with two people you've often heard the, the phrase there's th- there's three versions of the truth when you're working with at least two people that's not quite true there's actually four versions of the truth there's their perspective their version of the truth there's my version of the truth there's actually what happened and finally there's their combined version of the truth 
which again is still going to be altered from what one person believes and the second person believes and what actually happened. And so how do we listen? Do we do we just, you know, the, we, we know of a sub that's just hopping around dominant to dominant, spreading rumors, but all the while she's trying to uh, take money from people. Well, how do we handle that? Do we just ban the submissive outright and spread the word about the person and then that's it? Do we, what about justification or proof? Because now we're talking about a criminal act, which would be, which would be theft. So at what point do we also cross the elements? And I, again, I haven't gotten to sexual assault yet. When do we cross the elements where we need to incorporate law enforcement? And I know the nature for a lot of people on their beliefs of how they look at or how they view law enforcement. And that I had a discussion today with a client and we were talking predominantly about the view, outward view and beliefs that a lot of people hold about law enforcement. And it pains me as someone who's worked in law enforcement for a long period of time. But the, real, the reality is, is that us as a community, when we come online and we say, my consent was violated, um, I want to tell you who this person is, but I can't. So if you just send me a message, I'll give you their name. We have to also keep in mind that we are only hearing one version. I'm not saying that the version isn't true. I work with sexual assault survivors. I work with trauma victims. So I, I understand we have to listen and, and listen and, and help them work their process. And um, it, it's, it's a very slippery slope. I've seen events that are that will specifically state um, there's no there's no politics here, meaning there's no scene politics. We don't care what you're involved into. But if if somebody goes to an event and they've had an issue with a person and they go to the dungeon master or mistress or the coordinator and say, hey, you know, this person um, violated my consent. I said I didn't want to be have any digits put inside of me and they they you know, they masturbated me without my consent. Well, fair enough. Now, what is what do we do as the event coordinator? Do we immediately remove that person? If it didn't happen here, if this event happened in another state or another country, how do we fix how do we fix this massive issue within the community? One other post that came up that was really quite interesting is is uh, femme presenting women folk who cross boundaries and don't ask for consent and then they think they're being flirtatious or they're making advances. While I understand and, and I agreed with this poster that a lot of men often do commit consent violations. You know, when I was a young dominant, when I was still learning, when I would go to a dungeon and if I was looking to get involved in some impact play and I saw some people, I would pull just politely ask, you know, I'm new. Um, I was wondering if somebody would kind of, you know, I'd like to do some impact play. Uh, I was wondering if anybody would be interested. If they said nothing or yes or, or no, I just, I walked away and I just, thank you. Now, I don't know now if I was to do that, if, if that would be considered I'm, I'm violating people's consent by asking. You know, um, one person or one thing that a lot of people think that where BDSM protects us from the world is because we can consent 
to the actions we're doing. And let's be very clear on something. I have yet to really see any laws in any country that protect us in the community and keep us safe just because we've consented to, for example, impact impact play or sadomasochistic play or electro-torture. None of these things, even though we're consenting to be abused, and let's just be realistic for a moment, we're consenting to these things. The legal system, the, the laws of society don't agree. And I've, I've had to very clearly state that we can't consent to abuse in the eyes of the law. And it's, it is problem problematic. This, this is a, the reason why this discussion is so important when we're talking about consent, when we're talking about violations, when we're talking about someone taking our trust away and, and removing it is because then we are in a way violated. We don't, you know, we now lose the ability moving forward to, if we were quite trusting, now our trust, we're going to be a lot more guarded. Our walls are going to be more, are going to be up. We could potentially lose out on some really great partners because it's no through no fault of their own. Somebody else was came in line before them and screwed everything up. So we have to now, or at least I want to, not that we, but I want to discuss like what then do we do when the allegations get into the realm of sexual assault. So now we're going to talk about sexual assault or... or Harder things even such as rape. And I'm not talking CNC. I am talking where straight up sexual assault happens. The number one thing I think is problematic with this. And I really hate to say it that way is. um, At this point if a sexual assault happens. And I realize for victims how traumatic it is. The shame that they feel. um, And I work through all of these things. Is that one of our first responses is we want to go online and talk about it. Okay, I get that. My next question, though, I tend to follow up with is you're making a criminal allegation about somebody. So that carries slander if you're speaking about it or liable if you're writing about it, about somebody else. I would often think, you know, from a lot of people that are going out and and doing this, we have to get, this is the point we have, the law has been broken, a criminal act has happened. And yes, I realize how difficult it is. I work with victims. How difficult it is to sit through and go through the process again because it is re-traumatizing. But if we want to get a predator off the street, if we want to get a rapist off the street and out of our community, we we can't just say, oh, okay, well, this person did it. Because we have to ask the very uncomfortable questions. It's why law enforcement is trained to ask very uncomfortable questions, not because they're trying to make you relive it, it's so we can get as much detail as possible so we can go ahead and remove this person, not just from this community, but from society itself because they're choosing to act outside of society. How do we deal with when we just hear a story and remain neutral when we hear it? That if we don't pick a side right away, we're part of the problem, which is often gets thrown out there. So we're, we, we get into this line of, of things being a lynch mob and, and going out there and we just want to crucify somebody. I'm not saying those people don't deserve it. They do. I have zero love in my life for anybody who's committed the act of rape or any other serious sexual assault or anything with children. I No, they don't. For me, they're not a part of society. 
but you know I don't live in that world I don't live in utopia but we also have to you know where's the terminology that lies in all of these things somebody brought this up and that that was a really valid point the improper terminology just because we're we feel something this is kind of what I talked about when I was saying earlier I was looking at you across the room um where we don't want to cheapen what a consent violation means. You know, if somebody waved at you and you just didn't feel like being waved at that day, they're not violating your consent. And when you're in the public realm, you know, unless they're toting a gun at you or jerking off or masturbating in front of you, unless it's something direct, they're not really violating your consent. I'm sorry to bring that to a lot of people's attention and i'm sure there's going to be a lot of people go i i definitely don't dis i don't agree but that's just the reality i you know there there have been people that have been said oh well you know so and so violated my consent and they're known to violate consent um as somebody here brought up because they were you know blowing a curse a kiss across the room there, there's nothing involved in that is it creepy behavior is it weird behavior? Sure. But what if you have to stop and think that what if that person is neurodivergent and they don't really understand about knowing better, but we're trying to open up the community to do everybody and they don't understand that that's improper. They don't mean anything by it. They're not trying to sexually assault you. They don't want to French kiss you. Or they're just standing, you know, standing, standing there on, against the wall, staring at you and smiling. And they don't understand how that makes you feel because they don't know that you somewhere in your life have been traumatized by something like that. And then we come home and we, we hop online and we talk about these massive consents and then we want to name and shame them. We don't know anything about these people. We, there is no simple answer when we're, we're looking at these things and when we're looking at the violations of our trust, when we're looking and when we're hurt, we're experiencing all of these emotions. We, we usually go into to scared or fear. We're looking at um, then, you know, cowering, possibly the feelings of flight. Later on, as we move forward, we get angry. But a lot of these times, the one thing that is missing when, when all these things is missing is that we're not being rational. And I'm not saying you're acting irrationally, but we're not thinking completely rationally. We're acting based on emotion instead of understanding the full situation. And when we do that, we are also expanding. We're taking out how we're feeling on other people. But I don't know what the answer here is. I mean, are we just going to get to the point where we're banning everybody? What if, you know, if we just, all of it, it just takes a word and we walked in and there's somebody I really don't like because, you know, he's a really good looking dominant and he's got all these hot submissives and I just make up a story to get rid of him because I, you know, I'm jealous and he's boom, he's gone. He's instantly banned. It kind of reminds me, I mean, it's not the similar lines, but it kind of would remind me of what happened in in the Philippines when when the president of the country is like, we'll report anybody that's doing drugs um, and they were like just killing drug dealers and neighbors were reporting them because he's had a feud with them and then, you know, they got killed or taken away. There wasn't a real court tribunal. 
They were just taken away because it was reported. Where's the due process? Something else I brought up and wanted people to think about is do we do we deal and, and give the same weight to a consent violation that we do from a dominant? Do we weigh the same if they are submissive? And because remember, the, the, right now I'm not talking genders. I am just talking about positions. And since I brought up genders, what about men and women? Women tend to get away with more things because it's so much more subtle in nature and we just don't think anything about it. I don't like it when somebody comes up and kisses me on the cheek. You didn't ask me to do it. I don't want you to do it. Probably could, you know, you didn't ask me. So technically, I guess you would be violating my consent uh, as some things are getting around lately. Kissing someone on the cheek is now sexual assault. So if that's just the case, I've been sexually assaulted a few times. But, I, you know, how do we weigh this all up? And when I looked at like when I when I was looking at the discussion and this one was taking place in San Francisco, it's like, you know, we need to, you know, all the community dungeons need to get together for the safety of the community. But for the safety of the community, for the safety of their own um, businesses, how do they know? And if you're looking at it from their standpoint, how do they know what happened happened if it didn't happen on the premises? What more can we ask them? We can't put cameras and dungeons we shouldn't be i definitely know like and i've been hearing this lately and it's more it's a big concern for me but you know to each their own if you go there um and i've, I've spoken about this before mixing alcohol like serving drinks in a dungeon i i'm just aghast that that's even a, a, a thought because you know the moment you mix alcohol into anything you can't actually consent to shit look up the laws in your country Let's see, Canada, the United States, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, Korea, uh, I don't know, other, you know, handful of a lot, well, quite, a, quite most of the European countries. You can't consent. You've, your consent is, the person now you're interacting with can no longer get your consent. You can't consent because you're impaired. Yet we're doing this, and so we're, we're seeing escalations or you're now impaired and something happens that you didn't want to happen. But at the time you wanted it to happen. And so now we're going back and saying, oh, well, they violated my consent. Then what do we do? And it's it's very, very difficult. And for the people who have suffered assaults, sexual assaults, when we, we take this up a level, so now the consent's not just violated, we've moved out of the realm of emotionally, emotional violation or bonded word violation. We're now moving into the realm of physical violation. Who do we deal with? For that person to want to stay in the community, they want to feel protected by the community. But how do we go and tell the community, hey, yeah, you know, Sir John over here raped me. And he raped me multiple times. And then, you know, um, I am, you know, I'm dealing with it with the police and going from there. And, th and then what? If we don't, if we don't say anything, sexual assault survivors live with shame and they live with guilt. 
and the depression, anxiety, and all of these things start to manifest. But how do we as a community find a solution? What is it? How do we, if, um, what about if I'm watching a scene and, or I'm conducting a scene and somebody interrupts me, they violated my consent. Are we removing them? Where, what level do we deal with these things? And that's really the, the issue that is at hand. And there isn't, there isn't an easy way. There isn't a way to know how to deal with it because consent violations fluctuate. There is no standard unit, standard unit of measurement to base these upon. For us to believe the people that happened, we would have to have a system it weighs against. And that's what the community can't agree upon. And the other problem is, is that within the community itself, uh, you have all of these other parameters coming in. Swingers, poly, right? You have all of these other factors. In an unpopular opinion here, and, you know, I'm straightforward, so I don't really care. But the reality is, is that those communities weren't BDSM. Their, their main focus wasn't BDSM. I'm not saying they can't incorporate it. I'm not saying they can't become part of the community. But just to equate I'm BDSM and poly is the same thing, that's not true. But they have their own rules and they have their own ways they act. And for someone in those groups... It's going to be different from someone in another group or another subset. I know uh, there was a mistress I knew, wonderful woman, a mentor for a while, for about six months when I spent some time in New York. Wonderful instructor, loved latex. She was a latex mistress. And uh, wore the hood and um, was fantastic. And I remember going out to a club with her on a Friday night once and... Uh, you know, all of a sudden somebody, another mistress had come up and was like pawing at her, you know, touching the, the latex and oh my God and how beautiful, but she never asked. She didn't ask if that was okay. And she handled it with class. She just looked, she turned and looked at her and said, you know, I didn't say it was okay for you to touch me. I wouldn't walk up to you on the street and grab your breasts. Would you like that? kind of stopped this other mistress in her place and the mistress apologized and then you know offered to clean it because she'd left her fingerprints on there and the oil residue on latex or whatever the case may be i'm not a latex person and it was an interesting exchange um and she later talked about it during her demonstration you just because somebody's there we don't we shouldn't be you know, crossing certain boundaries. But where do those boundaries lie? And because consent violations, because it's something that starts in the intangible, it starts in the intellectual realm, how do we draw that line that suits everybody? And that's the problem that we're really looking at because consent violations are subjective. There's nothing objective about them because they're going to be different for each person. And that's the problem as a community we face. And it's something I really do want to think about. It's something that we should be considering moving forward. 
and keeping the dialogue open and keep talking about it, keep evolving it. Not necessarily building a list, but then working with the people that have experienced these things and understanding their stories and listening to their stories so we can kind of start to see, you know, hey, what they felt as a violation, is that the same for me? Did would it have taken less for me? Would it have taken more? And ask these important questions. This is a hard subject to kind of cross, and I don't want to make light of it. And I feel like I'm not doing this full justice. There's so much more to this story. I really didn't even get a chance. And I don't want to do a deep dive into sexual assault because that's not what this podcast is about. But I just really want, for those of you who are going to think about this and those of you who are going to listen to this, I want you to think about that emotional impact to you. So moving forward, thinking about these things, what do we do if something happens to us or something's alleged against us? How do we handle it? Who do we talk to? How do we make amends? How do we come back? This is one of these more of a introspective type of questionings and podcasts that I wanted to do because I want to start hitting these subjects that are really tart. And it, this is the first time I really want everybody to kind of start thinking about this because I think it's, it's probably a very, very important discussion. When I talk about consent, I try to talk about all sides. It's kind of like last week when I talked about open marriages and everybody gives the shiny veneer, but nobody talks about the other side of it. So I'd love to hear some feedback. I've got a post up on FetLife. If you want to add some more comments about consent violations, you can find me there under enhanced-mind. Um, and, you know, I'd love to get more sense of the community, help, helpful dialogue, really solid discourse so we can keep building towards a better community, not one that's going to be separated and further pushed apart. Until next time, everybody, be safe and stay kinky.